Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Yeah. A little bit of Blackstreet. No diggity, no doubt. There was no doubt he was coming back, right? Aaron Rodgers, back with the Jets. 877-337-6666. Monocle here with you at 2 o'clock. On our way to 5 o'clock on this five-hour midnight ride. Mainly baseball to start the show, but Aaron Rodgers did make news yet again as the Jets have now opened up his 21-day window to see if they'll activate him on the 20th in front of that Washington Christmas Eve game. That seems to be the target he had. He wanted to be practicing on his birthday, which apparently I guess he will be doing. His birthday, he turns 40 on the December 2nd. Um, So he's back. And I guess the question really is, like, one, is this smart at all? Which I have no problem with this. Like, this is, if he wants to come back, he's cleared. He's medically cleared. Like This is what he's been working for. I don't begrudge, like, even if this is selfish, right? On some level, it's 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 selfless where he was doing everything he could to get back to the team. It's not his fault necessarily. It depends on how you view it and what his impact on the team and the quarterback situation and everything like that. But it's not his fault the team isn't prepared to have him step in and actually make this season meaningful in any way. But this guy's been busting his ass. Like, whether it's a, I think it's a little silly if his main point is to show us that he's capable of something no one's capable of. Like, I I mean, it's amazing what motivates people. I mean, I suppose on some level that might be appealing to me. I'm Look what I'm able to do other than any other person on the planet who's ever had this surgery. But, I mean, he deserves the right to at least come back, be with the team. I think that's all good. You want to see him with the team and... and and all that, so we'll see if they activate him. But, I mean, I just can't imagine him getting into any games, and I can't imagine anybody on the – any Jet fan, anyone inside that organization. And we'll see what happens this week against Atlanta. We'll get more into the game uh, tomorrow on a football Friday. Like I just, I just can't imagine wanting this guy to play and jeopardize. Like, that's the thing for me. Like, of all this, right – it's nice that he's back. I appreciate the fact that he's busted his hump. I appreciate the fact that he's champion this surgery and he wants to do this and prove that he can do it. I, I do respect it. And I do respect the idea of the power of belief that I've been screaming about for weeks. That he was I, I think he was trying to entice his team and I respect that. I think that's I, I think that was a a noble thing to do to try and motivate his team. He realized how important he was to the team, and clearly he was. I mean, you he stepped in and everything changed. Like he was he was everything to this team and still is in many ways. Probably has more say inside an organization than any football player has ever had inside an organization. But I mean, he wanted to always have it known that hey, I could come back if we could keep winning. Which I respect. But now that you're here, and now that they're not winning, and the season is over, come back to practice, that's fine. Be around the team, that's fine. It's important. He might be able to help with the offense. God knows he has a relationship with Boyle. Maybe he can help Boyle and put some things into different perspective and help him and the other teammates on a different level than a coordinator or a coach, You know, someone on the field, someone working out, someone practicing who can help explain some of the intricacies of this thing. I don't know. Seems far-fetched, but hey, so does coming back 11 weeks after Achilles' uh, surgery. So that's fine and all, but here's the thing. This is where it ends, right? I can't imagine. I know Evan's going on about it. I know some, like the idea of you want to see him. Like, hey, I bought this thing. I got, you know, I bought this Lamborghini. I was able to get him out of the driveway for, you know, four minutes. Something went wrong, and he's been in the shop for 11 weeks, and I want to drive him. And I think that's, you know, I think it's just, it, it's not thinking clearly. 
Like you need to have this guy. You have a two-year window after this to still chase championships. That's all your focus should be now. Right? I still think it's about for the Jets. I don't believe in tanking for the Jets. They're not tanking for a quarterback. God knows there is no way in hell. I don't care what pick they get. I don't care whether Caleb Williams comes out or not. I don't care what the pick is. They are not drafting a quarterback. They are helping Aaron Rodgers next year with this draft. There is That's the only thing they're going to do. 100%. So having said that, yeah, you want the better pick, I suppose. You get, you get Marvin Harrison Jr. You get a better, you know, your pick of who you deem that best helpful player to help Aaron Rodgers to be. But ultimately, this is a group that is going to take this season right into next season. Like this is, I do believe in some sort of momentum building, but when it comes to a quarterback with the Giants, I, I need the quarterback. But anyway, it doesn't matter. My point is I do think playing well and winning these games and him being around is important, but him playing to win games or him so you could see him in some way and answer some question about A, how healthy he is, or B, if it does go bad, or C, if it does show promise that you'll feel better about things. Hackett's going nowhere. You do not need Aaron Rodgers to step in and make this offense look better. Like, that doesn't change anything. It might ease your mind. But they're going to have an entire offseason. Things are going to change. Roster's going to change. Like, there is no benefit from Aaron Rodgers playing other than you get to see him. And it's better than watching Boyle play. But behind this offensive line, where the team is now, like there is literally no point. So it's fine to have him back at practice. I respect him. I respect his work ethic, and I do on some level understand the idea of wanting to at least get to a certain point considering how hard he's probably worked to get here. But I would think 11 weeks out of surgery of an injury that always takes much longer than that. For him to come back, practice, actually get on the field, run around and play is enough to prove that you've done something significant here and that nobody else has handled this injury. Nobody else has recovered from this surgery. Nobody else has done what you've done, Aaron. Like, it's enough. This jet season's been an absolute disaster. He's been a major part of it. And it's nice to have him back. And I think it, it benefits the team having him around. And I clearly they would be better with him. But they're in no position to make that happen. 877-337-6666. Eddie and Rockland, what's up, Eddie? Hey, Christopher, what's happening, man? What's going on, bud? I got another Cavalier uh, bet for you. Oh, sure. What, what do you got? No backtracking, all right? I'm not no backtracking. No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Come on. You want to get me to yell? You can put me up on Twitter. Come on. What do you got? Right <laughs> on uh, on the Jets. Say the Jets find find themselves also in the top four in the picks. What do you and the and Rodgers? You have to win with Rodgers. Yes. Same situation you had in Green Bay where they grabbed Love. Uh, what was that quarterback? Oh, what's it? Love. Uh, Hurts. Love. Yeah. Love. No, but they, and, it was it was uh, later than a top four pick. But yes, I um no, they're not drafting a quarterback. I don't care where you you get the first overall pick. You're trading back. You're not drafting okay. a quarterback. There's no way in my mind the Jets are drafting a quarterback. That would be that would go against everything else they've done from the minute he said he he intends to play for the Jets. That would go against right. every other thing they've done. They've acquiesced to everything he's wanted. They've gotten Cobb. They brought in Lazard. They obviously Hackett was here already, but you know Hackett's not going anywhere. They made Zach Wilson the the the. the kept him on the team and made him the backup quarterback so that he could mentor someone and change that narrative around him. Like they did everything they possibly could to make this guy want to be here, happy to be here, you know, uh, maneuver his contract around to make more room. Like he's done everything. You cannot spit in his face and take a quarterback and not help this team. It's about chasing a championship, Eddie. There's no way around it. So, yes, there is no doubt in my mind the Jets will not draft a quarterback. Not in the top. Not in the top. Is there a chance they see value in a guy in the third or fourth round? Maybe. Maybe. Even that, I don't know. 
Even that, I don't know. But there is, no, I don't care what pick they get. I don't think I, I think they've won too many games already to get the top pick. But whatever, top top two, three, four, five, whatever. They are not drafting a quarterback. Maybe it makes sense if there's not a great if there's not the player they want trade back. There's no way they're drafting a quarterback. No way. They have to get him pieces to help him. They have to they have to improve this offensive line. They have to get him more weapons. I know they're talking about maybe you know in the offseason revisiting attempting to get Devontae Adams. You know, if they could ever get Marvin Harrison Jr. and trade for Devontae Adams and Sauce Guy. I mean, I don't know if that's too many uh, cooks in the kitchen, but I mean, you're talking about trying to load, you know, stack the deck. As Keith likes to say, you are trying to get as many players here as you can to go and try and win a Super Bowl in the next two years. Certainly, at least next year. There's no doubt about it. You can't draft a quarterback. You cannot. You can't tell this guy that our premium asset is going to be used to to take your replacement as opposed to help him when everything he's done rushed back from injury, like just everything. You can't do it. Can't do it. Jesse in Queens. What's up, Jesse? Hey Chris, what's up? What's up? Uh, the Giants. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, they 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 have inferior talent. They have they have no talent compared to the Eagles, the 49ers, Dallas. I mean, there's one this season. They're not good. Take advantage of it. You know, let's really be bad and get the number one, number two pick. Try to get this guy Williams or Drake May, mm-hmm. a real quarterback, because that's the only you know type of uh, quarterback that can take a team and lead them deep into the postseason. But they sacrificed that for the feel-good story of Tommy DeVito. So I, I don't understand all this. Yeah, I mean, I mean listen, just, you're pre- Jesse, you're preaching to the choir. Other than I don't know what you wanted them to do. They had, you know, they, they can't play Tommy DeVito and then ask him to not play well. Like, I, I do agree. Like, this is the counter-argument to the tanking. I think it's a faulty one because people don't understand what we're asking. Uh, you, The players on the field have to try and win the game. But you're right. I, I, I think... Despite the fact that Andrew Thomas has graded out great over these last two games, he's dealing with a sprained MCL. He doesn't need to play. Like, there are guys who just don't need... If Saquon Barkley's a little banged up and you see him off to the sidelines more than usual over the last two games, Saquon Barkley doesn't need to play. Like, that's what I would do to try and secure these losses. But these last two wins, especially the one to New England, like, it guarantees them they're not getting one of those top two picks. So while I still want as good a pick as I can get, at this point, I, I don't even know. I'm probably past the tanking, and let's continue with the fun of Tommy DeVito and see what happens. They're never, they're never going to get the lead talent they need to to be a real team like like you know the Eagles and all that. They right. never. That's it. Well, they, listen. They the, what, what, they'll t- what they'll tell you is, and 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 the counter argument because I like to play devil's advocate. Uh, the counter argument is, well, yeah, they built their. Uh, those rosters by drafting and, and free agency and different things, but they didn't have to take a quarterback at the top, right? The Eagles had Hurts as a second-round pick. The second-best team, or even the best team right now in the NFC, that their favorite on the road in Philadelphia is San Francisco, and they're playing. They draft. They traded up to draft a quarterback that they since traded away, and their starting quarterback is Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. So that's the argument. The argument is you could build the roster and then get the quarterback, or you can get the quarterback from anywhere. You don't have to tank and lose games so you can get a higher draft pick. You can get him in the second round like Philadelphia did. You can get him in the very last pick of the draft the way San Francisco did. You can get him in the fourth round the way, you know, Russell Wilson was. You can yeah. That's that's all true. You can get them there. There is a pathway for that. There is if you're very lucky, it comes that way, but it's much more likely to get one at the top of the draft and it's much more likely to give Shane and Dable their pick of the litter. That's what I want. But you're right. Tommy DeVito's a nice story, but ultimately, is it helping the Giants? I don't know. I don't know how it really helps the Giants. It keeps smiles on Dable. It keeps the idea of him and Wink Martindale fighting with each other to, as a backburner, non-issue story. Uh, it's good for the fans, I guess. What was it? A couple hundred people showed up at a sandwich shop to pay 20 bucks to get a signature. Pay fifty bucks to get their shoes signed. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, he's he's played he's played a handful of games in the NFL. I got to drive to a I got to drive to a sandwich shop. To me, I'll never forget it. I was on the bus. I was in seventh grade. I think it was the high school bus. I was in seventh or eighth grade, and my buddy Bobby gets on the bus, and 
He's like, hey, this, there's a wrestler coming to Carolot. Carolot was a, like a corner store, a con, you know, a little convenience store, a card store on the corner of Franklin Avenue in Franklin Square. I think now it's a L.A. fitness. It's been an L.A. fitness for a while. Anyway, it was a card store. And he was like, hey, look at this pamphlet. I got a WWE guy. And at the time, I wasn't, I was into WWE when I was real young with, with Hulk Hogan when I was five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. With Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, like Andre the Giant. I was into WWF back then. And then for a brief time, my senior year, I got back into it. And now with my kids, forget about it. But I wasn't into it at this moment in time. And I'll never forget it, but I don't know why I got sidetracked on the story. I guess just, you know, going to see someone at a store or sandwich shop. But my buddy said, oh, the wrestler's coming to Carolina on Franklin Avenue. We should go. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. who, What wrestler? And he's like, Rocky Mayavia. I'm like, Rocky Mayavia? I don't even know who Rocky Mayavia is. I don't want to go see Rocky Mayavia. I don't know if you know who Rocky Maivia is, but Rocky Maivia is The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So I'll never forget that because I passed on it. Now, I'm not saying DeVito is The Rock, but maybe, maybe one day you're like, hey, this guy is, is the Super Bowl winning best quarterback in the league, giant champion, and I you know, passed up an opportunity to go get sandwiches and go get my shoes signed from, from Tommy DeVito. Like I passed up on going seeing The Rock at Carolot. Never forget that. Never forget that. I'm going to Brooklyn on Friday to go see SmackDown with the kids and Evan. So I'm going to see Evan for the first time in a while. We'll hang out, take a picture, and uh, tweet it out for you guys. The crew back together again. Our kids watching wrestling. John and Maspeth. What's up, John? How's it going, C-Mac? Good. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, listening to you talk about Aaron Rodgers and how the Jets have to help him. And I completely agree. This guy... On the Packers, uh, while he was the Packer, the Packers had 16 first-round picks, and only three of them were used on offensive yep. players. Two of them were linemen, and one was a quarterback. Yep. So not once did they ever drafted him a receiver in the first round or a tight end or a running back. Right. He's always been working with second-rounders and third-rounders as receivers, whether it was Devontae Adams, uh, Jordan uh, Nelson, uh, yeah, Randall Nelson, Cobb. Randall Cobb. And it's like, you know, if he had better talent at receiver, he would probably still be a Packer, you know? They could have Yeah, well, listen, if they, I think obviously the drafting of Love really was the first thing, at least, you know, the first major thing that started the divide between him and the front office, no doubt. And, and I can imagine why. You're a Hall of Fame, you're a Hall of Fame two-time MVP quarterback. You're trying to win a championship and they're taking premium picks and drafting your backup. Like, you know, the and, perfect player in the draft, I think, this year will be that tight end from uh, Georgia, uh, yeah. uh, Brock, uh, Brock Bowers. Bowers. Yeah, you put him in there as a security yeah. blanket, and you have uh, no and uh, uh, Wilson on the outside. I think that would be great for the Jets. You probably pick up a lineman in the in the second round. Yeah, and you got to go all in. Well, listen, whatever, whatever, whatever the case may be, they are not drafting a quarterback. They are not. I know they they'll need one in the future. I have I forget the caller, but I have a guy who's hung up on the idea of who's going to be the quarterback after Rodgers. I don't care. Yeah, oh, it's it's Eddie. It's Eddie. We just talked to you. All in next year. He's he's like the Rams did that one year. That's it. And the Rams had a terrible year after. They they're working their way back. But I don't care if I'm if I'm the Jets. I don't give a damn. I honestly don't. I don't care about the. I don't care what happens to this team after Rodgers leaves. Not right now. I'm building a championship. I'm trying to build a championship team, and I'm chasing a Super Bowl. That's it. I've made that decision when I went out and got Rodgers. I made that decision. I'm chasing a Super Bowl. So, as a pick, you can't look at the future. Now, obviously, just by nature, whoever you pick is going to have. A five-year contract, a four-year contract with the fifth-year option, like so. It's 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 going to be the future no matter what. But you can't, you cannot, you can't worry about your quarterback. You can't. Not right now. You're in the unique position. It's it's very rare. And I know I I maybe I sound like a hypocrite because with the Giants, I am in the exact opposite scenario. 
all I care about is a quarterback. It's, it's, for me, it's all that matters. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a team. And all I care about is the future at the quarterback position for the New York Giants. But the Jets did something unique. The Jets went out and traded for a 39-year-old MVP Hall of Fame quarterback, and now they're chasing a year or two of, of a championship. And that's it. And nothing else matters but giving him everything he can so that that trade wasn't a disaster. And that trade wasn't in vain. And they didn't end up losing anyway. The, I don't, where they'll be at the quarterback position when he leaves, I have no idea. I mean, the plan that it was going to be transitioned back to Zach after him is was patently ridiculous from the jump. And I'm sorry, I disagree with anyone who thinks they should go back to him. They should go to Simeon. The last thing I'm doing is going back to Zach Wilson. It's the last thing I'm doing. I'm done with Zach Wilson. This is not. I don't want to continue to bash Zach Wilson. I'm tired of saying his freaking name, to be quite honest with you. To be quite honest with you, I'm tired of talking about him. But there is no way. I don't care how bad Boyle looked. I don't care. Once you made the decision to move on from him, that's it. You move on from him. Like, you got to just rip this off like a Band-Aid. You're done. The Jets are done with Zach Wilson. Today, to next week, for the rest of his career, they are done with Zach Wilson. And the idea of going back to him is ridiculous. Um, You're done. Go to Simeon. Stick with Boyle. I don't care. I'm not going back to Zach Wilson. No way. So, but I don't care where the quarterback position is. I don't care if it's Boyle. I don't care if they, maybe they, you want to trade for DeVito, I'm in. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're the one team, they're the one team right now in all, in all of the NFL that I will tell you I don't care about the future at the quarterback position. Now, some of the, some of the teams have that question answered, but... Like, I don't care who's the quarterback in 2026. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. You'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Someone will play the position. Maybe it'll be a transitioning. It'll be a a rebuild phase. They'll probably have to do that. It'll be a rebuild phase. But hopefully, they'll be rebuilding with a ring. 877-337-6666. McMonigle here with you on the fan. We'll come back and continue to take your phone calls. We'll get back into the baseball a little bit. Talk about Rodgers. A little bit more. We could talk about tanking with the Giants. I know that I heard it on with Keith a little bit. You know where I stand on it. But I'm, I'm kind of past it now. As we head into this bye week, and you know the idea that they're going to come out and play Monday night on in prime time with the Packers, I, I guess I'm just going to root for them to win. I don't know. I'm a beaten down man. They've won so much, I'm beaten down. Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, you know what I forgot to say yesterday? Sorry, Miss Jackson. Sorry, Mr. Barber. I forgot to mention congratulations to Tiki Barber. Being um, one of the finalists. One of the final 25 being discussed for the Hall of Fame. And hopefully he makes it to the fi- uh, one of the final 15. I was listening to um, the interview with uh, Gary Myers and the idea that if you can get into the final 15, most of the people get home. Congratulations. He Listen, uh, he was as good as it gets. Let's be honest. The last three or four years of his career where he was, he was Marshall Falk. You know, just like a touch under Marshall Falk. He was an incredible player. He was the guy. I mean, for Giant fans, I went, I was live with my buddy Fitz, um, a game against Kansas City where he rushed for over 200 yards. He was an absolute monster. I mean, Tiki Barber was an all-purpose monster. I think he's 15th, 15th in yards from scrimmage in the history of the NFL. Everyone else on that list is in the Hall of Fame. He didn't have a long career. Uh, the early parts of his career, he wasn't the every down back. But, I mean, I would put the last three or four years 
of Tiki's career up against almost any back in the history of the league. He might not always win that argument, but he's right there. I mean, that's how good those years were. And especially catching balls out of the backfield and just, I mean, an absolute dynamic player. So congratulations, and I wish him luck. I hope he gets in. I was, a you know, growing up loving Tiki Barber. Love Tiki. I remember my 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 aunt got me one of those Thunder and Lightning shirts when they drafted Ron Dane. Ron Dane, not so much. Poor Ron Dane. That's really when Tiki, like they thought Ron Dane and Tiki would be good, and then they realized, wow, no, Tiki's just like so much better at everything. Let's not even bother running, you know, poor Ron Dane out there. 877-337-6666. So, yes, congratulations. Love Tiki. Went to, uh, you know, again, I saw that Kansas City game where he rushed for 200-plus yards. I was freezing that night. I spilled hot chocolate all over myself. Christian in Westchester. What's up, Christian? How are you? I'm doing thank great, for, Christian. Uh, How are you? Oh, I'm good. You, you get me through the work night. Oh, well, thank you very night. much. What do you do? I'm <laughs> uh, overnight grocery worker. I got gotcha. you. So I was just stocking the shelf. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Anyway, um, so I want to talk about the Wink and Dable situation, but first I want to say I completely agree with you about Tiki. It's long overdue, to be honest, anyway. I believe the only two people ahead of him on that list that – are that aren't Hall of Famers, but will be is Peterson and Fitzgerald for all-time purpose yards. Right. But obviously, they're not eligible yet. So, right, but, they're, but they're, they're, they're no doubt Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're first then, ballot Hall of Famers, <laughs> both of them. No, exactly. And then going on to the Wink-Dable situation, um, I just want to get your take on kind of like how it started. I know Dable had some friction with McDermott as an OC, and he was he only wasn't fired because his contract was up anyway. Um, So... Part of me has to be thinking, is it like Dable or is it Wink? And now I'm not saying it's all on Dable. Just kind of like, how how do you think that this kind of like originated? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, w- I would think, I think Dable is a tough coach. I think Dable's a tough coach on his players. I think Dable's a tough coach on his coaches. And I think losing <laughs> and early on that, that defense, I'm sure he, he, you know, he laid into, I would think that's probably it. I would think that my guess would be, and again, I don't know, you're asking me for a guess. Here's my guess. My guess is, that he was forceful in the way he spoke to Wink, and Wink has been a longtime coordinator and was excellent last year getting head coaching candidate uh, uh, interviews off of the season. And while the offense was absolutely doing zip zero, uh, he was still riding his coaching staff, even defensively, and probably said a couple things to Wink that just started the ball rolling in a negative way. Losing does this. It's not uncommon. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal necessarily. I think they can... You know, certainly now they're playing it up like they're just, you know, they 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 get together and and celebrate with snacks. They eat pizza and donut together, and everything's fine. They frolic, <laughs> they frolic through the countryside together. Everything's great. But I, I'm I'm sure that they are. They've had their moments where Wink is like, "What are you talking about? How about we score more than three points? You know, we scored the least points in the entire league." And you know, for I mean, I'm sure that there was something there. So yeah, my no, my guess is the coach. I, my guess is Wink. Uh, I, my guess is that Dable probably said stuff to Wink, right? You know, getting on his coaches. You know, because he publicly he pu- <laughs> he's publicly knocking the the uh, special teams coordinator. So like you know, I, I mean, not publicly knocking him, but like in public yelling at him, where that became a discussion too. Like this is Wink. This is Dable. He yells in the face of Daniel Jones. He yells in the face of his special teams coordinator. He yells in the face of his defensive coordinator. Like that's that's who he is. But Wink has enough standing in this league. And enough, you know, of a, of a resume where he was probably like, "Who the hell are you to yell at me?" <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know I'm living in Delulu land, but uh, yeah, two, two games out, I'll, I'll keep out hope until it's officially. I'll keep up hope until it's I think over, I, but. I I was against you completely until they beat New England. Now I'm not sure it matters. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm living in Delulu land, but anyway, thanks for the call. You take, Appreciate no, your take. No problem, buddy. Yeah, no, take take your listen. We might as well take the chance now. You're right. You're right. It's not going to happen. They're going to lose to Green Bay. Like I, I feel pretty. Like I just they. I don't see this thing really going on a run here. Val in the Bronx. What's up, Val? Brother Mac, how you doing, kid? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I wanted to call and talk Yankees with you, but let's do it. Can I just say? Can I say one thing before I do that? Sure. So yesterday we talked, man, and I I got off the phone and listened. 
And in a weird kind of way, I, I said I used the wrong terms. It's not that I disagree with you, because I totally understood what you were saying. Okay. But even when you got to the after point, that's where 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 we really link up. Because I feel like if that's really what you were saying, the biggest mistake you did was not doing anything about that QB situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I I definitely hear where you were coming from, and I feel like. It might have been misconstrued the way I I came at you yesterday, so yeah, I apologize. No, wor- for that. no worries, I man. That I disagree. Every day's a new, I, I, every day's a new day, Val. I I don't even remember it. Don't worry about it. You know, the, the problem is I've gotten so caught up with the the whole the the, the lack of logic behind what's happened with that, yeah. and the, the 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 way that they just kind of threw those opportunities away that it, it's clouded my judgment with everything. And the minute you start talking about it, anything, it, it just goes right back to that. So that, that's you. on me. Don't worry about that's it. That's on me. Don't worry about it. But I, I also wanted to say, and this goes into part of your conversation today, yeah. or most of your conversation today, and some of your conversation from last night. I heard you break down the future of my Yankees, and I felt so hopeful after listening to that. Because you were going into the whole thing with, like, you know, why we can actually do both how we actually do it where we, you know, we go cheap on the young side with like the Austin Wells um, and some of the other uh, yeah. rookies that we have, the Volpes and so on. And that's how we kind of control money. Money's coming off the books. And then we move this guy up, Dominguez. And then we get into the, to today's conversation. And I, I, while in the past we've spoken about this, and I didn't even think that this was something that would come into the equation. Because if you remember, my issue with the whole thing was, you know, if it's a question of, you know, so long as we don't have to give up both Peraza and Volpe, then I'm good with it because at least we get one of them. Right. I wasn't even thinking that Dominguez would have gotten called into the conversation. Yeah, I know. And, and and the funny thing about that is I'm willing to give up Dominguez, but like you, I'm reticent because, and it has nothing to do with Dominguez's name. It has nothing to do with Soto's name. It has everything to do with Boris's name. And the, the, yeah. the complicated, you know, cluster that that would be because especially if Dominguez goes, like Cashman is usually not comfortable in a situation where he has no semblance of leverage at all. And if Domingo, Dominguez goes it, as part of the trade to get Soto here, it's almost like you really kind of have no leverage because you just got rid of your future star outfielder and you have a star uh, outfielder that you want to be a future in the building, and the only way you can move forward is if you sign him. So then Boris is going to start doing all kinds of crazy antics. That's the only thing that really scares me. But, you know, well, I'm like you. I, I think we definitely got to have that conversation. You yeah, know, I mean, I would he, feel, yeah, I mean, it's a trade Dominguez. Like, if I knew I was signing him, I'd be much more open to it. But, again, I don't think Boris is going to let that happen. I don't know about what... What games is there, is there, Boris is, is going to play? Boris is just going to take him to free agency and see what mar- see what his market is. So, like that's playing. But there's no, there's no chance that that Cashman works some kind of magic and actually manages if they do make the trade to sit him down and actually be like, what is that number that you're looking for? Let's just do it now and get it done with. No, there, you don't think there's a chance of that at all. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, no, there's a chance of it. Yes, there's a chance. There's a chance that the Yankees say, hey, listen, like we Boris, just we just traded a bunch for you. We love you. You're gonna love playing here. Let's let's work something out right now. We'll give you five hundred million dollars. I mean, is there a chance that happens? I suppose. Uh, I think it's very unlikely to be this close to free agency with a Boris client and not get to free agency. They want to see what it looks yeah. like. Who knows? The, the, you might Steve Cohen might be crazy and give you five fifty. Like they just they, you don't know. Yeah. So I really uh, want that guy to grow. Of course, I want, I, listen, the, I, I want, want him in the building. I want Juan Soto more than anyone I've ever wanted. I, I honestly, as a Yankee fan, I cannot think of another player from outside the team, via free agency or draft, other than re, you know re-signing Judge and re-signing our own guys. I've never wanted anyone from another team more than I want. Not CC, not Cole. I want Brother Juan Mac. Soto. Brother Mac, I'm literally thanking the gods because I feel like this was something we should have done even before he left when he was leaving Washington. Yeah. He should have, and now you're getting a chance to, to like, you're getting a second chance at the, 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 this the team, table. you got to yeah. do it. And of the three of them, I don't even care if I lost out on – like, I, I want Yamamoto. Yeah. But I I need to have Soto I'm in with the you. building. I'm with you. I'm 100% with I, you. If there's one guy to get this offseason, it's Soto. That's what I feel – it's it's 100% how I, I want Juan Soto. He fits the glo- like a glove. This team has passed up on superstar after superstar. Let's just be fair about it. Yeah, they went out and made sure they brought back Cole. Excuse me, Judge. 
They went out and signed Cole as a starting pitcher, Rodon. So they've spent some money. Right? It's not like they don't spend money. They've spent some money. They traded for Stanton, knowing how much money he costs. And that was acquiring a superstar. He was the MVP. It's 59 home runs. It hasn't worked out that way, as we all know. But still, that was a bold move after a 17 season where, you know, it looked like they were had a window for a championship with those baby bombers and what they did in the 17 playoffs. Follow that up with going to get Stanton. That's what you're looking at. It might not have been the perfect fit, but and it, and uh, in hindsight, it hasn't worked. But this team is now passed on Machado. It's passed on Harper. It's passed on all these different guys. It's passed on every single one of the shortstops that went through this last free agency over the last two years. I mean, five or six superstar shortstops, whether it's Seager, who's shown you what he's done, another World Series MVP, uh, Trey Turner, uh, you know, Carlos Correa. Just you go through them, all these all these superstar shortstops that came through free agency, passed on all of them so that they could play Volpe and, and IKF and whatever the case may be. They have passed and passed and passed and passed. This is the time you cannot pass. This is the time you have to go out there and get Juan Soto. He is a 25. He's tw- he just turned 25. This season is going to be his 25 season. He's 25 years old. Do you know how rare it is to get a 25-year-old superstar? How rare? Like You have to do it. I mean, he's going to be like we joke about trading away prospects and getting younger and everything. And, you know, he's, he's literally like five months older than some of the prospects you're looking to trade away. He's, I mean, this is the age. Like this is. He's that young. Remember, we used to always joke about Gleyber Torres. Gleyber Torres was was still only 22 and 20. Like, he's 25. They have to go out and get him. Have to, have to, have to. And that's the question is, is I mean, the reports are Volpe and Dominguez. I don't think it's going to take that. And I think Volpe is someone they've they've put other people aside and have built around him in some ways and, you know, made the decision to bring him up as the starting shortstop last year. I don't think they'd go there. But as much as they wouldn't want to trade Dominguez. And I think there's other packages. People make it sound like there's no there's their their Jones, their first overall, their best prospect, their number one prospect. The Martian isn't even their number one prospect. So you trade the number one prospect, you trade uh Clark Schmidt, you trade Brito and Vasquez and and uh whatever other, you know, minor league pitching prospects that they like, whether it's Beater or wh- whoever else. Like you get it done. You get it done. I would love Yamamoto. I'm all about the Yamasoto offseason. That's I, I, I bought in. Hook, line, and sinker. Soto, Yamamoto. I don't care about Bellinger. I really don't. Not if they get Soto. I don't care. These are the two guys this Yankee team needs desperately. It changes the lineup desperately. It changes who they are. And it brings back the fans immediately. Like It, it changes the narrative around the team. The second they announce... Now, some people let's say if it includes Dominguez, I think there'd be a lot of fans who are disappointed in that on some level until opening day next year. But like, if you bring Juan Soto in the second he comes here, the 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 vitriol, the black cloud hanging around this team between the fan base and the front office and and you know the ownership group, like there is not an. I, I said this yesterday, for all of our losing, and we go and we talk about it all the time. How miserable these teams are. How upset, you know, how what a joke they are. The losing we've done here, we've become a losing city. We watch other cities. Philadelphia has teams in the championship left and right. Like, we're a joke. As much of a joke as we are, the one team that's done the most winning has the most angry fan base. The Jets fans aren't even this bad. Hey, you got Aaron Rodgers, Joe Douglas. Uh, he drafted the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Like, I'm frustrated to make the playoffs. But, I mean, I hate Woody. I think Salah's an idiot, and I hate Zach Wilson, but like ultimately, you know, we'll see. Hopefully next year we can win a championship with Aaron Rodgers. The Giants, forget about it. They won two games against Washington and, and New England, and everybody loves Dable, so it's everything's great there. It's amazing how comfortable Giant fans are with the situation they're in. The Knicks are trending in the right direction after 20 years of being in the abyss, where I think at some point they just became no longer – It was it was no longer anger. It was just – you didn't care, you know, you stopped caring. You, you didn't even get angry anymore. It was more indifference than anger. 
The hockey teams, you know, same thing. The Rangers were in the postseason every single year for a long time. The you know, Devils and Islanders, whatever. But like, there is not another team in the city where the fan base is more upset at ownership, more upset at the front office for sure. Wants people's heads to roll. The uh, the percentage of Yankee fans who want cat who want the GM fired and the co- the head coach manager fired far surpasses. Any other franchise. Nobody else wants Salah. No other. No, the Jet fan base do not want Salah fired this much. Like no other team. They have to change that because it's become a little toxic. It's become a talking point. Players are aware of it. Judges getting booed. Like they just. And it's it's become a thing. It might cost them in free agency eventually. Like I I think that's silly, but I think it might. It might. Guys are going to be like, why do I want to bother to go there? You heard of it. Like, Sonny Gray is the perfect example. I can't make a cut in New York. He just went to St. Louis. He did his press conference. He's like, I hear great things about St. Louis. Yeah, because the fans don't boo. So what a great atmosphere it is to play baseball. Something's got to give, and they got to give it to us. 877-337-6666. When we come back, what is pissing me off about the – Tampa Bay Rays. And why do I think they're miserable for baseball? Your official station to talk Knicks. The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Alright, you know what's pissing me off? And yeah, it's partly because I'm a bitter Yankee fan and the Rays just are the enemy, obviously. But why do the Rays even have a team? Like, quite honestly, the Rays are bad for baseball. I mean it. Like, I understand how good they are. I understand what they've been able to do with the little amount they're able to do and how smart that group is. And, I, and they are. They're, they're, they're smart. They're smart. What they're able to do, they get rid of guys early. They, they trade guys they can't pay and still managed to bring in a great team over and over again, but this is drawing... I'm drawing the line here. This is absurd. Because today, or earlier yesterday, there's a report that the Rays are shopping Randy Arozarena. Why have a team? Randy Arozarena has been a stud since he bursted on the scene in the 2020 playoffs and absolutely tore apart the New York Yankees. He has shown up in every big moment... Uh, you know, the the World Baseball Classic might not mean anything to me or you, you or Salicata, but you know it means a lot to the players, and he was an absolute stud. He has been a big-time player. He plays the Yankees. He does whatever he wants sometimes. He is a tremendous player who they have under arbitration, who they have control of for the next three years, 24, 25, 26. Now, they might be able to get a great haul. They might be able to turn this into a couple of young kids who, you know, end up playing for them and winning baseball games for them. But how do you expect to field a team? How do you expect to field a fan base? How do you expect to be a freaking team if you're going to move Randy or Rosarena? Like, if you're going to trade that, why have a team? I understand, you know, they, they obviously paid their shortstop, who now is in legal trouble. But, you know, they, tra- they paid Juan DeFranco. But this team consistently takes money from other teams, takes the money out of the pocket of the Yankees, out of the pocket of the Mets, doesn't want to invest any, is smart, don't get me wrong, is smart, but what they do is absolute nonsense. And the idea that they are going to possibly trade Randy Arozarena and Glass now in the same offseason, why have a team? Why bother? If these are the guys you can't keep, what you know, I know nobody shows up to the ballpark and maybe it's the chicken and the egg thing, but why would you bother with this team if they don't keep Randy or Rosarena, who they don't have to pay for three more years? It's not like he's impending. He's not a free agent next year. It's not like they, they're going to have him for this year and two more. Under arbitration, will the numbers start to get high? Yeah, I guess. But he's estimated to make $7 million this year. $7 million. 
This is what's wrong with baseball. This is what's wrong. These teams can try and field teams better. Like, how many times have the... Uh, we, me and Flegelman were talking about this. How many times have the Tampa Bay Rays been good enough to win a World Series where maybe all it took was one move, one added piece, go and acquire this, and they never do it, ever. Like, right, we were talking, we, they, why, not, why are they not in for Juan Soto? They could trade for Juan Soto, add him to this team with Randy Rosarino, with Glass now, and chase a championship. I know the Yankees get a lot of, you know, it's all about chicken buckets. What is it about for the Tampa Bay Rays? What are they trying to accomplish? Are they trying to win with nothing and and prove it? Like, you know, they want to be like Rodgers and prove something to everybody? How smart they are? And they're smart. Don't get me wrong. They do a great job with it. They have some advantages and different things where they are able to get rid of guys. I think Randy Rosarain is a terrible example of it. But there are some guys who have big-time years who other teams couldn't just say goodbye to because the fan base would kill them, like Meadows and things like that. They do a good job of it. They scout well. They draft well. they're, they're They're a smart organization. And they do more with less than almost any team in baseball. But this this crap pisses me off. Why would they trade Randy Rosarena? Why in the world would you do that? Why are they not trying to win? And believe me, I don't want them to win. Trade Randy Rosarena. If I'm a Yan- I'm a Yankees fan, get in the hell out of my division. But what the hell is this? Can you imagine trying to be a fan of a team where this guy's an absolute stud, hits a million home runs in the postseason? It's starting to become the the really the, the face of your franchise, your three hitter, and you want to trade him? Honestly, if the Rays trade Randy Rosarena, pack up shop. Why, why? I don't. What are they? I don't understand their goals. I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish. If you would trade Randy Rosarena, who's making seven, who's who's estimated to make seven million dollars in year two of arbitration this coming season. He still has two more years after that under control. He doesn't hit free agency till 2027, but you need to trade him because you're smart. And you get rid of players early, and you do. Great. Congratulations. You have a never-ending cycle of just being good enough to, to, to piss off the Yankee fan. Great. What are, you, what are you trying to do other than take the Yankees' money, take the Dodgers' money, take the Mets' money, Put some of it back into the team, but not too much of it. $7 million for Randy Rosarena. That's a little bit pricey. Going to have to figure out a way to move on from him. Glass now, he's been in, he was injured once. That's it for him. You pay Wanda Franco, that was a good decision. But I just don't understand it. I don't understand why this team and why there are teams like them. And they're probably the model for a lot of these 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 lower uh, you know market teams these small market teams probably look at the Rays and want to be like them. Hell, the Yankees get accused of trying to be like the Rays. But this is a joke. Like honestly, why? Give me one good reason why you would even consider shopping this guy. He's an absolute stud. He's a tremendous player. He's a clutch player. He's your three-hitter. He's arguably, without Wanda Franco and what that could be, I don't know, but he's your best player. And he's going to make $7 million. I mean, it's, 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 it's an absolute embarrassment. I mean, you... I, it it's 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 just it really bothers me that this is like this is what I I hate to take up I I might be a, a Cashman defender and a Cashman shill I don't happen to be a Randy Laville a Randy Levine shill but I, I hate to take up his 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 torch here and carry this argument for him but this is garbage this is absolute garbage try and field a team try and win I understand your small market I get it. There'll, there'll come a time where Randy Rosarina, he hits free agency, you can't re-sign him. I'm not going to kill you. You've got three more years of control with him. What 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 are you trying to do? For the next Randy Rosarina who, who plays two years for you and then you move on from him? Like I don't understand. Despite the fact you've been able to win, despite the fact you've won some divisions, despite the fact you're, you do more with less, You what if you do more with less, imagine what you did with more. 
I know nobody comes to the ballpark and nobody cares. This is why. Because why get attached to your players? Why feel like there's any connection to this team if at any moment you're willing to shop your best players when you have them under control for the next three years where they're not costing you money, they're not something that you can't uh, feasibly do? And never once do you ever take a step up to try and go win. Never once do you make that move to acquire someone and pay a little bit of money and try and win. Never once. You have no problem taking it. I'm sorry. This sucks. And I'm a Yankee fan. I, I, I never want to see Randy Rosarino again. Trade him to Siberia. I never want to see him again. He's, he kills the Yankees. He got hit by a pitch, got pissed off, went to first base, stole second, stole third. Like he, he could do whatever he wanted to do. I hate the guy. I can't stand looking at him. He's, he's, he kills the Yankees. He's a Yankee killer going back to 2020. But what kind of what kind of what kind of baseball are we are we doing? What kind of league do we have if bottom feeders are trading guys like Randy or Rosarina? And I'm someone who who roots for the the top heavy feeders who wants to prey on these teams and 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 get a Brian Reynolds from Pittsburgh or get a Randy or Rosarina from uh, from Tampa. Like this is what I want to do as a Yankee fan. I want to I want to poach these guys. I want to get Juan Soto from the Padres, who can't afford him. But at some point, like, these teams need to do something to actually try and compete and, and actually be a legitimate baseball team and cultivate a fan base and actually have some, like, it just, it bothers the hell out of me. I understand they're winning for the most part, and they're doing, they're, 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 they're the, the smart team everybody wants to be like, but this sucks, man. I don't even know why you would, I know nobody goes, why should they? Can't get attached to anybody. It's disgusting. It really is. It's disgusting. They suck. I hate the Rays. I hate the Rays in every way, shape, and form. They're slightly worse. They're, they're, they're like this much better than the Astros. Seriously. This, I just, them, and they're either going to trade Glass now, you're going to trade a Rosarena. I'm, and you'll, listen, you'll probably find two kids, two guys who come up and, and figure out a way to do the job, and you'll still win. But this sucks. Just sucks.